Mark chapter number five, and we'll begin, and we'll begin reading in verse number 21. When Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. If you underscore and underline in your Bible, this is not the message tonight, but it bears mentioning, you ought to underline that word thronged. Then look down with me at verse number 30. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, talking about the woman with the issue of blood, Bible said, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? I'm afraid that we're living in a day where the majority of Christians are satisfied, settled, and sufficed just to throng him. All the ones that were thronging him were just near him. They were just crowding him. But there was only one little lady went home different. And she didn't go home different because she got close. She got, we went home different because she touched him. I don't ever want to come to church with a mindset that I'm just happy to be in the right atmosphere. I'm happy to be in the right area code. I'm happy to be in the zip code. I'm happy to be on the front row. I don't want to settle there. I want to, they sang 30 years ago, she pressed through the crowd, reached out and touched Jesus. Don't you want to do that in your Christian life? Not just to be near him. I, I, I love, I, I love, I, when I go home, when I'm being gone, I don't care what my wife wants to do, I want to do it with her. And if we're walking down the mall, I, I don't want to be just near her. I want to reach out there and grab that little hand and walk down walk down the middle of the mall or wherever we are. I, I, I want to hold her hand. I want to be close. These kids going to get married by text. Will you be mine? And he's going to die before you answer. And you're going to take, what do you want for supper? Sitting on the same couch. God help. Hey boys, they look a whole lot better than that phone does. They smell a whole lot better. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. I, I want to be near the ones that I love. Amen. Don't settle for thronging him. Amen. Notice your Bible. Verse number 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? 
soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler, and cometh to the, of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. When he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make you this ado? And weep, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. They laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, boy, he laughed last, didn't he? Yeah. Amen. I'm glad the, the Lord has the last word. When the doctor says you can't, I'm glad they don't have the they don't have the last word. Amen. He taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him, and he entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, <coughs> Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. You can be seated. I turn your attention tonight to verse number 37. The Bible said that he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. The Lord help me tonight. I want to deal with this text. I mentioned it last night that there are three places in the Word of God that God separates Peter, James, and John out from the other disciples. The preacher said it last night. He sent 70 out two by two. And then he had 12 disciples that he chose Within that 12, there was three, but there was only one disciple amongst the three that the Bible said was the disciple whom Jesus loved. If you'd asked John, what's your name? John might have said, I'm the one that Jesus loves. Amen. What like to have your identity and the love of Christ. Uh, hey, I think about what God is doing in this text. Uh, uh, when he, I think about Mark 5 and Mark 17 uh, uh, and Matthew or Matthew 17 and Matthew 26. Each one of these experiences uh, uh, God is doing something different in the life of Peter, James and John. I think about Matthew 17 uh, of the Lord. The Bible said he took him up into a high mountain uh, and he took him apart to pray. Amen. And God took Peter, James, and John on what you and I would refer to as the mountain of transfiguration. And when God took them upon the mountain, he allowed them to see his glory. He took them upon the mountain for a heavenly demonstration. I'm telling you, we're separate. We are celebrating the Christmas season. And do you know the lost world, uh, even people that don't name the name of Christ, uh, even folks that are not Christians, uh, uh, they will celebrate Christmas uh, because they don't have a problem with a baby in a manger. Uh, listen, as long as you see him as a man, he will not make you uncomfortable. Uh, but when men, women, boys and girls uh, begin to see the Lord in his glory, and when they begin to see him on a cross of Calvary, it makes the I'm uncomfortable. Amen. I'm glad to you. You think about, I'll say some more about it in a minute, but there is a truth even in the order of this before God ever took him to the Garden of Gethsemane. 
uh, where he would pray and his sweat uh, would become his great drops of blood. Uh, long before he ever took him to see his agony, he took him up on the mountain and allowed his disciples to see his glory. Uh, I believe if he would have taken him to the garden first, uh, they would have packed their bags. Uh, I believe they would have folded their tents. Uh, and they said, man, if this is what serving God's going to get me, uh, I'm out. Uh, but aren't you glad for a God? Uh, they took him up on the mountain uh, and was transfigured in their presence. Uh, and they got to see the glory of God. Uh, I think about, man, the Bible said that God was manifest in the flesh. Uh, he came to this world, took upon the form of the servant. Everything you saw on the outside uh, looked like man. Uh, but on that mountain of transfiguration, uh, all that God that was on the inside uh, for just a little window all that God that was in the inside got on the outside and his face shone like the noonday sun and his clothes were red his raiment were white and they glistened in the hour I tell you we're living in a day where young preachers we've raised a generation of young men that mock the kind of talk where you would say man I've gotten the glory I've experienced the glory but can I tell you they've come a long way too late uh, because I remember when I preached in the glory uh, for the very first time and I prayed in the glory uh, for the very first time and I worshiped in the glory and I've sang in the glory until they've come a long way too late. Uh, the reason many Christians uh, can live any way they want to live, uh, act like they want to act, uh, they've never seen Christ in his glory uh, because when you see how high and how lifted up and how holy and how good he is it makes you want to be better it makes you want to be cleaner it makes you want to be more separated it makes you want to walk with Christ God took him on the mountain to show him his glory amen ever been in his glory my soul you'll never be the same amen then he took him higher to a heavenly demonstration. God let him see his glory. Matthew 26, the Bible said, and he went a little further. He took him further for a holy supplication. And he allowed them to see his agony. Boy, I tell you, as we celebrate Christmas, we think about, we think about these verses. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Amen. And behold, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall wrap the babe in swaddling clothes and lime in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. I'm telling you, listen, all they see is that little baby. And all they see is that little swaddling clothes and the manger scene and the animals there but can I tell you when he came out of that virgin womb he was headed to Calvary from the very first moment that he ever they wrapped him in the swaddling clothes those were death rags those were not things you would put on a baby but they put him in those death rags as a picture of what he was going to do and you and I can sit here tonight with joy in our heart because the son of God 
uh, there in the garden. He submitted himself. If there's ever been a picture of yielding and submission to the will of God, it was done in the garden of Gethsemane. Uh, there's redemption for you and there's redemption for me. Our sin can be forgiven. A peace can reign in our heart because of what the Son of God did when he prayed and he said nevertheless not as my will but thy will be done and you and I can know as our brother saying without a doubt I know that I have been saved I'm telling you friend as real as the skin is on my hand I may not know a lot of things but if I don't pull back in the garage tonight I'll be stepping out on another shore because I got saved 37 years ago. Amen. Amen. He took them further. Some would argue with me and say that the greatest prayer is the high priestly prayer in John 17. They might argue that. But I'd say the, the greatest prayer meeting was in Matthew 26 when God the Son was speaking to God the psalmist said in one of the psalms he said God said unto my God David got to listen in on a conversation between deity. Amen, amen. And can I tell you, in the garden, while Peter, James, and John slept, uh, the greatest transaction uh, where the Son of God bowed his will and then listened, he yielded to the Lord. Uh, our salvation uh, was, uh, I mean, man, that redemption plan, uh, it started in Genesis. Uh, but when you walk into Matthew 26 uh, and the last chapters of the Gospels, uh, of that scarlet thread, that runs through the word of God uh, begins to pile up. Uh, aren't you glad? Thank God. Uh, there is a fountain filled with blood uh, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And you and I can know that we're a child of God because of what he prayed. He took him hired for a heavenly demonstration to see his glory. He took him further for a holy supplication to see his agony. See, the reason, the reason they don't want to see Christ on a cross is because if he got to get on a cross, that means that we are sinners like he said. Amen. That babe doesn't say we're sinners to him like that cross does. Amen. Amen. But when you come into Mark chapter 5, he's not taking them higher. And he's not taking them further. If I was preaching out of Matthew 17 tonight, I'd preach, oh Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. If I was preaching out of Matthew 26 tonight, I'd use one of Kyle Rowland's titles and preach on sweet things out of dark places. But this, this evening in Mark chapter 5, in verse number 37, he's not taking them higher. And he's not taking them further. But he's bringing them closer. Your pastor travels and preaches and Brother Mike travels and preaches and, and I'll travel and preach. And can I tell you, I'm preaching to folks. I believe they know the Lord's the Lord. I believe they knew he was the Savior. He shed his blood. But I believe I'm preaching to many people on a weekly basis. They know he's God. They're just not convinced he's enough. 
They know that he came to uh, pay the sin debt of mankind. They know that he was, they believe that he was born of a virgin. And I'll just say this, if you don't believe he was born of a virgin, then all of us are lost and on our way to hell. Uh, because had he not been born of a virgin, uh, he would not have been a qualified sacrifice uh, to pay our sin debt. Uh, but thank God he did. Amen. Thank God he was born of a virgin. They believe that. But what they're sitting on the pews, they're thinking, is he enough for my situation? Is he enough for my burden? Is he enough to forgive me? Is he enough? He took him higher to see his glory. He took him further to see his agony. He brought him closer to see his sufficiency. Can I tell you this? I don't know if the Lord's got favorites, but I'm convinced he's got intimates. I don't know about you, but if he's looking to bring somebody in the inner crowd, I want to volunteer, praise God. Amen. I want to volunteer for that, uh, to that, to that inner circle where you get to hear things others don't get to hear. You get to do th uh, things that others don't get to do. You get to go where others don't get to go. You get opportunities that others don't get to do. I mean, what to God some of us tonight uh, would say, man, I'm tired of just throwing him. Uh, but I want to get close to him. I want to hear some things that I've never heard. Uh, see some things I've never seen. Uh, do some things I've never done. Lord, I want to get closer. The Lord, help me for just a moment. I want to preach on just a closer walk with thee. Amen. Notice your Bible. Notice verse number 22. The, there was a parent that was desperate. You know why, you know why people don't get saved? They're not desperate. Amen. You know why people don't come to church? They're not desperate. Amen. Hey, people think, man, I've got plenty of time. I've got plenty of time. I'll get saved somewhere down the road. I mean, man, I'm telling you, I don't know if you saw today, Brother John Sasser. I, I don't know him. I hear his name a lot. He, he, he's probably between you and I in age. And his, he's in Israel on a mission, on a, a doing some mission work. And his boy called and found his mother, uh, found Brother Sasser's wife. It laying on the floor this afternoon, unresponsive. You preach down there, brother, uh, down there in America's brother Key. I met a preacher uh, down there some years ago preaching for him. Last week, 44-year-old preacher fell over dead in his home. 44 years old. I mean, folks think, I've got plenty of time to trust Christ. I've got plenty of time. I'm going to live the way I want to, and then I'll get saved. Uh, but can I tell you what happens? Uh, uh, listen, crisis brings desperation, and desperation brings revival, and revival brings answered prayer, and answered prayer begins, begins miracles. Can I tell you every miracle that you'll ever read about in the Bible, uh, whether it's touching a blind man, uh, he leper. Uh, uh, listen, whatever it might have raised in the dead, uh, every miracle that God ever uh, that ever performed uh, at its roots, at its foundation uh, in a problem, uh, in a burden, in a difficulty. And when you get desperate, uh, when you get tired of being a sinner, when you get tired of being a cold saint, you'll get desperate and do something about it. Amen. Notice a parent was desperate. Notice his resume. Notice your Bible. Behold, there cometh 
one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. Are you listening? He was the administrative head of the synagogue. He was a man of influence. He was a man of wealth. And truth be known, had they known that he had gone to Christ, he would probably have lost his job. He would have, they, listen, these folks, the synagogue folks saw him as an outcast, the Lord as an outcast. But listen, not Jairus. When he got desperate, when he got desperate, all these babies are going to sleep or I'd grab one of them and use them for a minute. I'll just use her baby. How about that? Jairus, when he was eight days old, his Jewish daddy, his, would have taken him to the synagogue where he was now the administrative head. His daddy would have took him in there and as it was custom, they would have circumcised him and they would have named him and they would have dedicated him. Can you, and when, when, those, when those Jewish daddies named those sons, it meant something. It was not, let's get on Facebook and see what the, you know, we're going to do a little, uh, hey, what would you name a child? That daddy must have held that baby up and said, what's your name going to be? What should I call you? It was a big deal. Because their names meant something. He'd have held him up in that, in that, in that, in that celebration of the birth of his, of his son and said, what do I name you? And maybe his daddy looked at him and said, you look like a, a Jairus to me. You know what Jairus means? It means God will Awaken. It means God will awaken. Let's say Jairus didn't get married till he was 25. 20. Let's just say 20. Let's say they waited two years to have a child. He's 22. And the Bible said in this text that his daughter that's dying is 12 years old. 34. For 34 years... Every time his mama said, Jairus, supper's ready, all he heard is, God will awaken. And when his daddy said, hey, Jairus, did you get your chores done? Did you get your work done? All he was hearing was, God will awaken. When his teacher called him by the name, God will awaken. When his wife called his name, God will awaken. When his friends called his name, God will awaken. When his, when his co-workers at the synagogue, when the priest or the high priest uh, or whoever it might have been, uh, when the Sanhedrin called his name, uh, all he was hearing was, God will awaken. What about that for 34 years uh, or whatever many years it was, uh, God was telling him uh, what he was going to do for him uh, before he ever had a problem. Uh, aren't you glad that we've got a God uh, that has seen the end from the beginning uh, and the beginning from the end uh, and what he told him was uh, I mean Jairus' daughter died uh, I believe the fact that he went to Christ uh, is because he knew the dead rich and the ceremonies at the synagogue oh, we're not going to raise his daughter he said but all I've been hearing oh, for the entirety of my life is God will awaken God 
will awaken or God will awaken and that bullet can't awaken them and the ram can't awaken them and the turtle dove can't awaken them so I tell you what it might have been the very first time they ever sung a verse of where could I go but to the Lord and Jairus came running because he had heard God will awaken God will awaken Notice his reverence. The Bible said he fell down and worshiped him. Amen. Notice his request. Man, he was passionate about it. He besought him greatly. Listen to me. He was prayerful about it. He said, I pray thee. But look how positive he was. He said, if you just come, she shall live desperate some of you got real needs and real burdens I just asked you this question have you ever been desperate about it there was a physician that was desperate excuse me a parent that was desperate but look at your Bible verse 25 through 35 there was a physician that was delayed Notice your Bible. In verse 24, the Bible said, Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. Can you imagine the expectation that picked him up? I mean, Jesus is going to my house. Help is on the way. I mean, he might have been skipping down those streets saying, hold on a little help. Hold on a little longer. Help is on the way. Amen. I mean, listen, probably in his mind as the Son of God was walking to his house, his daughter was as good as healed and his daughter was as good as raised. But as quickly as the light of hope began to shine in his heart and as quickly as the spring came in his step and as quickly as the burden began to lift and the sun began to rise and the dark clouds of dark or doubt began to dispel all of a sudden he heard that he felt the Lord pull back come help me preacher I'm going to be Jairus the preacher's going to be the Lord we're walking down through here and all of a sudden somebody touches touches the Lord him and Jairus tries to keep walking and he heard the Lord said who touched me? I mean, they're thronging him. Come here and help me, boys. Stay right here, preacher. Come here and help. Y'all just surround the preacher. One of you right here, one of you right here, and one of you right there. This woman's been bleeding for 12 years. She's weak. The Bible said she spent all she had and she was none the better. She just grew worse. You think that woman that had been bleeding for 12 years. You think she was strong enough to fight through that crowd and get up here and touch him? Well, how in the world did she touch him? Let me tell you how I think she touched him. Because the Bible said she touched the hem and it had been somewhere down in here. And she reached out there and touched that hem. Oh, she didn't, she didn't fight through up here. You know the reason some of us can't touch him? We won't humble ourselves and get low enough. Good. Good. 
We won't get down to touch him. We feel like we've got the right to touch him. We deserve to touch him. She thought, man, I've done, done everything I can, so she got down. And now the Lord has stopped. Thank you, fellas. The Lord has stopped, and he's looking. And I don't know how long. I have no, I mean, I'm talking about the expectation that picked him up. Help was on the way. But what about the frustration that put him off? Hindrances are confusing, aren't they? When you need God, come back. When God gets ready to do something, and you need him to do it, and he doesn't do it on your timetable, he doesn't answer your prayer. He doesn't come through uh, when you want him to. Do you not get confused? Do you not get hindered? Do you not get frustrated? I don't know how long he waited. I don't know if he waited five seconds. I don't know if he waited five minutes, a half an hour, or an hour. But while he was dealing with them, I think every passing second, Jairus lost hope. Matter of fact, I think he might have even, whoever decorates the church, don't get mad at me. I might have, he might have just went over and sat out on the curb, put his head down, and thought, man, well, the clouds, those clouds of doubt that were surrounding his soul were all back. You ever got there where you're torn between doubt and faith? And when you're being pulled apart by faith and fear, and all you can see is the preacher said this morning, I got up and it was a warm morning and the sun was shining. He said, but we sat there in the parking lot of the hotel trying to figure out where to eat and the clouds were rolling by. Uh, do you know, can it been that way in your Christian life? You get up in the morning and the light be shining and all of a sudden a storm or a difficulty or a burden come and it seems like the clouds have choked the light of God out in your life uh, and it's hard for you and I to remember that on the other side of those clouds uh, the sun is still shining but we've been hindered uh, we've been frustrated Amen. the expectation that picked him up the frustration that put him off but what about the devastation that put him down it got worse before it got better. They came from his house and said, why troublest thou the master any further? Your daughter's dead. She's dead. And just as soon as the Lord, if you've got a red letter edition Bible, he makes three statements in the remainder of the text. He says three things. It, business picks up when the Lord gets to talking. Amen. All he could see was an empty bed. All he could see was an empty chair at the table. All he could hear was no little feet running to meet him when he would come home from the, a day's labor at the synagogue. She was dead. His heart was broken. Hope was taken away. Notice verse 24. Notice the words very closely. Did the Bible say Jesus went with him this is what I think happened to begin with I think when they left the first time the Lord said I'll go with you and I believe Jairus took him and started out with him then he stopped Jairus went and sat down look at verse 37 
Is it verse 37? He suffered no man to follow him. Is that what it said? It suffered no man to do what? I think this time, Jairus' faith was gone. His heart was crushed. And the Lord come over and said, be not afraid, only believe. And I believe the Lord took Jairus now. And you know what he never, Brother Jordan, you know what he didn't say? I didn't hear Jairus say, my address is, we live over in that neighborhood. Here's how you get to my house. Jesus just started walking. And Jairus got to follow it. His faith was gone. His heart was broken. His life was crushed. Oh, but aren't you glad when your faith is weak and you can't get it done? There's a God in heaven that will look past your weak faith or look past your dark heart and say, I'm still God and I can do. Listen, it doesn't matter if he gets there five minutes early or five years late. Honey, when you're God and you show up with everything you need to take care of whatever the situation is when you get there, it doesn't matter when you get there. What are you sitting here and your heart's dark? And you were taking him to your house, but he stopped to help somebody else. And now your doubts crept up. And you're wondering, can he do it? He might have come tonight just to say, come on. Hey, y'all can't go, but I'm going to take him. No, not tonight. I don't know about you, but I'd want to be Peter, James, and John in that situation. Thank you. Thank you, preacher. A physician was delayed. The promises were delivered. Be not afraid. Only believe. There's a required trust. If you're lost tonight... You never, you've never repented of your sins and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work that he did at Calvary. You're going to have to repent and believe. You have to repent of your sin and believe that the Lord Jesus is your own. I told a preacher years ago, pastor down in Concord, North Carolina, he knocked on the lady's door and he said, ma'am, I'm so-and-so. I'm pastor so-and-so from the so-and-so Baptist church. And I'm, he said, I'm here. We're inviting people to church. He said, ma'am, can I ask you? He said, can I ask you a question? Have you ever been saved? And she said, well, preacher, let me tell you something. She said, getting saved is about like going to Charlotte. There's a lot of different ways to get there, but either one you take will get you there. He said, ma'am, I didn't come to get you to Charlotte. I came to get you to heaven, and they ain't but one way. You're going to have to believe. Child of God, you're going to have to be not afraid, only believe. Uh, Required trust, the faith that was required. The facts that were relayed. Notice what he said. She said, man, she's not dead. She's asleep. Same thing he said in John 12 about Lazarus. Same language. You say, was she dead? Yes. But from his point of view, when you God and you got life, she's just sleeping until he gets there. She's dead to them because they couldn't do anything about it. Are you listening? Notice your Bible. They got in there. They kicked everybody else out. Her mom and dad. Peter, James, and John. 
Youngers, listen to me. Why would you spend all this time in the Christian life and be satisfied to be left on the outside? Now, I'm not talking about heaven. I, I, I'm not even talking about the work of God. I'm talking about that inner fellowship with the Lord. Man, we used to go play ball. I mean, you know, this is back before everybody got a playing trophy, you know, a participation trophy. Amen. You know, back in the day when they'd still. Hello? We'd go to the playground or the boys. We, I used to play at the boys club. And. And you put us all out there, and this, you know, now I'm large. I was not that large. I was this tall, but I've quit growing. I'm swelling. It's really bad. But back then, there was a time when I was not always the tallest one in the crowd. You know what I was always worried about? Not getting picked. There you are, all your buddies, and you're wanting to play. You ain't not, you're not wanting to get left out. I never went to a football practice to watch somebody else play. I never went to a basketball practice to watch somebody else play. I didn't crawl over there in the heat and, man, get hit so hard. Man, you didn't know which. I got hit so hard one night as a sophomore. I, a middle linebacker hit me on a, on a kickoff receiving. I, he hit me so hard I ran to the other side. I went to the other sideline. The coach turned me around and patted me on the backside and said, son, y'all are over there. Amen. Hello? That's why I can't remember anything. This thing right here was not meant to be used as a punching dummy. Amen. You said, what'd you do? Went right back in there. Amen. I mean, we'll play hurt. I mean, man, that when I started refereeing those years ago, the older I got, the stiffer I got, I quit stretching and just started taking Tylenol. There was no sense to stretch. You were going to hurt anyway. Just take Tylenol. I remember one night I hit this cat. I was played tight end and I cracked back, you know, before they put skirts on everybody out there and you could really hit somebody, you know, and that wasn't a 15-yard penalty when you ear hold somebody. Hey, can I get a witness from somebody that played football? It ain't ballet, praise God. It's football. If you want to play something else, play soccer. Amen. And I, I cracked back and hit that cat. And, and I'm not exaggerating. I popped the rivets out of his face mask. And I popped the rivets out of my face mask. And back then we had bladders. You know, we didn't have all these helmets that told you what kind of force you hit it with. There was no concussion protocol. It was called getting your bell rung. And man, my face mask is hanging off. My bladder's broken. The stands look like a the stands look like a tie dye t shirt. I went to put my knee, hands on my knees, missed my knees, and fell over in the huddle. The referee took me to the sideline. He said, "Coach Gruen," said, "You need to check him out." He said, "What's wrong?" I said, "My helmet's broke." He didn't say go to the injury tent. He didn't call the doctor. He said, somebody give him a helmet. Somebody took a helmet off. I put it back on, right back in. I played hurt. 
They took me by the seat of the pants the rest of the night and put me on the right side of the line because I didn't know. I just hit whoever's in front of me. Passed out cold as a turkey in the handshaking line. That guy in the ambulance, he said, what's your address? I said, I know where I live. Leave me alone. But see, we'll get hurt, tired, weary in the work of God, then we just want to withdraw. Uh, but when we play hurt, I mean, man, take me up just as long as I can walk, I want to play. That's the kind of dedication it's going to take to get in that inner crowd. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes. I don't believe he went in there no big show. These liars on television that say they can heal people. There, 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 there'd be a reserved place in hell for somebody like that that had that kind of power that wouldn't go to the children's hospital in Cincinnati and touch all them children being treated for cancer, leukemia, and all that. God help. I don't think he went in there and made no big show. I just think he walked in there and they're in there. And he might have just leaned over and said, Talitha Kuma. And she threw her legs off the bed, started to sit up and said, man, I feel better. But you know who got to hear that? Peter, James, and John. He showed them in that chapter that he was sufficient and had more power than the devil with the demoniac. He showed them that he had more power than disease with the woman with the issue of blood. And now he said, I'm sufficient even when it's death. You want to get in there? You want to know that he's enough? But before you ever go higher and before you ever go further, you're going to have to first get closer. I was driving to Lenore. I'm about done. I was driving to Lenore, North Carolina back the first week of October to preach. My secretary called me on the way up the road. She said, preacher, she said, would you do me a favor? I said, I do my best. What can I do? She said, and she came to us from Anchor Baptist, her family, they moved to our place some years ago from Anchor Baptist Church in Pisgah Forest, North Carolina, to Randy Barton's the pastor. She said, preacher, would you do me a favor? I said, I'll do my best. She said, preacher, yesterday they had pastor appreciation at Anchor. And after church, Dr. Barton told the men, that Matthew, Matthew's his 42-year-old son. They said they told the men that the doctors are sending him home from the hospital. Matthew, been out of the will of God, been out and sin for 20 years. And it caught up with him, and he was in the hospital, and he was dying. And he told the men yesterday, she said, preacher, he told the men yesterday that the doctors are sending him home. There's nothing they can do for him. And he's got about a 50% chance to live till Christmas. All that I could, all that I could think of, come help me right here. Put your, put your backside on that seat and sort of lay up, lay up on that, up through there. All I could remember as I drove up the rest of that trip, I remember seeing a picture in July. Matthew, his son, was up on the side of a mountain up in Pisgah Forest, Brevard area. And he's doing some, just some odd work for a neighbor. He's cleaning off the side of a hill. He took a chainsaw and missed a log and dropped that chainsaw on the top of his thigh and cut it down to the bone. Just so happened, now I say that tongue in cheek, 
the neighbor said, man, you know, I just felt like I ought to go check on him and got over there. He's bleeding out. The neighbor put a tourniquet, put a belt around his leg to save his life. And somehow, Brother Doug, Dr. Barton got there before the EMTs ever got there. And somebody posted a picture. Somebody posted a picture. Brother Barton's up there in a pair of dress pants and a white shirt and a tie holding his boy until the EMTs can get there on the side of that mountain. And all I could think of driving up, driving up to Lenore that afternoon to preach, all I could see was that daddy holding that boy never got right with God on the side of that mountain before he died. We got up there to the meeting, thank you. We got up there to the meeting that night and my, my oldest son's father, I was preaching for my oldest son's father-in-law, he called for a, he called for an altar of prayer. We were walking up in a brush arbor up on top of a mountain. We were walking right outside the brush arbor and a brother by the name of Brother Robert Jones, a missionary out of Anchor Baptist Church and Anchor Baptist Mission. We were walking down through there. He looked at me and said, Brother Mark, would you do me a favor? I said, I'd do whatever I can. He said, would you pray for Dr. Barton's son, Matthew? I said, Brother Robert, I've been praying for him all the way up the road. I said, but what breaks my heart? I said, he's never, he's never got right with God and he's died. And Brother Jones wheeled on me. He said, Brother Mark, have you not heard? I said, heard what? He said, last Thursday night, Brother Stephen Fannin, a young man that grew up with him, missionary to Bolivia, went to the hospital where he was to see him and said, talk to him like he'd been talking to him all his life, trying to get him back in. And said, right there in the middle of that room, Brother, Brother Mike, he said, Brother, uh, Brother Robert said, the power of God came in that room. and said, all of a sudden, Matthew, 42 years old, his liver, cirrhosis of the liver, dying. He put his hands up in the air and said, God, he said, I've been wrong for 20 years. I've been wrong for a long time. He said, God, would you forgive me? He said, I'm tired of my sin. God, would you forgive me? Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you, I mean, he was getting right with God he said before they knew it, they were shouting in the room. I, I mean, doctors and nurses peeking in, uh, uh, trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. And there that missionary was and got to hear the answer to a prayer that he had been praying for 20 years. Wow. Wow. Let me ask you something. Wouldn't you like to be in that number that gets behind the curtain a little bit. You don't get back there because you know what it never does? It never explains to us why those three got in. I think that leaves the door for us to know we can get in. If he just started laying out qualifications, what you gotta be, what you gotta do, we, a lot of us would just throw up our hands up and said, we'll never be that. But God didn't do that. He took them in. I wonder, I wonder if Dr. Barton, Anchor Baptist Church, they've got WGCR radio station, AM, they've got an FM station, they've got an internet station, they've got the, the, the missions warehouse right there in Brevard, they send supplies all over, they've got the Western Baptist Mission Warehouse in Gillette, Wyoming, they've got wing, they've got, God's given them airplanes to reach places you can't drive to, they've got a ship, I believe a ship. It's in the Caribbean, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, not a pontoon, not a ski boat, a ship. 
It's called the Sea Hope. They deliver rice and things like that to those islands down there and those pastors down there. I mean, you think of everything. I mean, I'm talking about millions of dollars have come across that mountain. I mean, about, by the time they raised the money for the AM station and the FM station and the internet raising somewhere around $400,000 a year to operate the stations. And you'd think with everything they do, it'd be a church of about 800, 900, 1,000 people. About 80 folk. Hundreds of thousands of dollars missions, faith promise missions. 80 people. And I wonder if Dr. Barton was a little bit maybe like J. Iris was when the Lord was touching, touching that little woman with the issue of blood. I wonder when they gave him an airplane, if he said, Lord, thank you for the airplane, but don't forget my boy. Lord, thank you for meeting the need for the radio station, but don't forget my boy. Lord, thank you for the ship, but don't forget my boy. Thank you for letting us do the relief and send missionaries around the world. Thank you for the work of God but don't forget my boy. I wonder if some of us get in like Peter, James, and John got in. I wonder if we'd get to see the answers to some prayers that folks have prayed for decades. I wonder if we would get some opportunities that others don't get. We'd get to hear what others don't get to hear and see what others don't get to see. What's your don't forget my? Many of you have been praising the Lord tonight. I give you, I, I praise God for it last night and the night before. But some of you, be honest, you'd say, Lord, we, I've been thanking you, but I've got a but. Lord, you've been good, and I thank you for my salvation. But don't forget this situation. Don't forget this child. Don't forget this grandchild. Don't forget this, don't forget this spouse. Don't forget this cousin. What's your don't forget? Amen. What is it that you're, you know what? The last 12 years for Jairus had been happy. The last 12 years for that woman this year, blood had been horror filled. But God walked into both situations and fixed them. Youngins, you ought to set your you ought to set your goals. And I'm not going to be satisfied just to get near him. I want to reach out and touch him. And go back to the house different. Now look at here. He might not, or he might not, or he might not, but there ain't anything saying you can't. But don't worry about going higher. And don't worry about going further if you're not willing to come closer. One of my favorite invitations, hymns, is draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, 
to thy precious bleeding side. I wonder as we've got to praise him the last two nights and be thankful. I wonder how many of us he's saying to right now, don't you want to get a little closer? Don't you want to walk a little closer? Look at here. I don't want him to have to scream at me to get my attention. I want to be walking close enough if he wants to whisper hey, that he's got my attention. Amen. You think about those children of God, those saints of God that have made an impact in your life. It's not the ones that's been wandering afar off. It's, it's those ones that when you feel like they bow their head and say, Lord, it's like he says, yes. Yes. How about it? She may not go. And they may not go. But y'all can go. And I've got good news for you tonight. Come on, somebody at the piano. I've got good news for you tonight. If you ain't ever been saved, you can get saved. He can help these saints while he's saving you. You say, what I got to do? He says, if any man will come unto me, I'll in no wise cast him out. You'll come. Somebody will take a Bible and show you what the Bible, they'll tell you where all men have come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. They'll show you where it says that if any man will call upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. They'll show you Acts 16 where it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. They'll show you John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he gave? His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I wonder how many of us would just be honest tonight, say, I've been satisfied just to be close just to be close just to get that feeling she got more of a feeling God dried that blood up changed her life forever I'll be honest with you if he's going to show his glory I want to be in the crowd that gets to see it I mean you think about it. you go back to 1st Peter take your red pen 2nd Peter and underline every time you see the word glory in First and Second Peter, he's writing that 40 years after the Mount of Transfiguration. And all he can say is glory, 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 glory. You say why? He was never the same. We're going to stand. How about it tonight? If you're lost, somebody invited you, they'll come with you. If you're a child of God, you, you're... You don't want to walk afar off, but you want to get in that crowd. Lord, would you help us tonight to come and have a closer walk with thee. He's playing it nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Nearer, nearer. Draw me nearer to thy precious bleeding side. If you want in there, you can get in there. about it tonight. If you enjoyed today's message, head on over to ibcflorence.com and click on sermons. 
And don't forget to check out our other links in the notes section of today's broadcast. As always, thanks for listening.